What's up, everybody? On this episode of the Boston Ski Party, we are joined by Season Equipment co-founder and brand director Josh Malchek. Josh's career in the industry dates back to his start with Line and Full Tail in 2007, where he'd eventually become the global brand director in 2013. Josh played a huge role in growing two of the most legendary brands in free skiing, overseeing some of the dopest product lines, projects, and pro teams the sport has ever seen. Right before the world shut down in January 2020, in the most well-timed move ever, Josh quit his big-time K2 sports job to join ski icon Eric Pollard and pro snowboarder Austin Smith in starting a new ski and snowboard brand, Season Equipment. Season Equipment was built from the idea that buying and owning skis and snowboards should be simplified, and the life of hard goods should be longer, with the aim of making the sport more sustainable and accessible. We talk with Josh about everything that's going on at Season and how they plan to hold on to these core values, but also run a successful business. We also got into what it's like doing something totally different in contrast to what he's been doing for so long at Line and Full Tilt. It was a really rad conversation with one of the most important behind-the-scenes guys over the past decade plus in skiing. We got a lot of solid insight into what's going on in the next chapter of his career. Good homie of ours, Mr. Josh Malchek. Enjoy the show. Holla. It is what it is, man. 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 It's cheap, too. TheSkiMaster.com Yeah, red is kind of like that, where it's like, this is the right amount of people that need to be at a ski area for everyone to have a good time. Like, yeah. it didn't seem like there was that many people there, and then those lifts are, like, so long and slow and cold yeah. that, like, the mountain was, like, perfect the entire day. You could always find more stuff. Granted, that, that place is great in general and uh yeah i gotta get yeah, back to us too like, even roslyn when you when you go down into downtown roslyn and you're like oh this is like a pretty cool town there's then you're like well there's like no one here but then to your point josh if there was more people you'd be yeah. like this you can't even get you can't even get a seat at the restaurant because there's like just enough people to make it feel busy when you go somewhere but if there's like just a little bit more you'd be like damn it we can't eat tonight <laughs> we're in the cold <laughs> we're, we're in the we're out we're out in the cold yeah, that 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 is one of the coolest little ski towns. Yeah, for anyone that's listening to this, Ro- Roslyn, BC mm-hmm. is sick. It is such a cool little spot. You would never know it's there unless you know you have to go to Red. You have to have to go to Red, and then you're like, oh yeah, we should come here all the time. And the skiing at Red, and the access like for everyone is really good. You know, you fly to Spokane, and that's only a two-hour drive north, I think, and it's right over the border. As long as you're all. Uh, Oh, good. I kind of got stopped at the border one time. There was one year for that powder week I drove and uh, I got, I was gifted these like uh, wheels. I wanted black wheels for my, uh, my Volkswagen SUV. And the guy <laughs> I was talking to, he had like a Porsche Cayenne or whatever. And it's a, it's a weird bolt pattern. So like, you can't really find that many wheels. He's like, I got some black wheels for you. I'm like, sure. And uh, I go to his storage unit and they're 22s with like low pros on them. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> sick. I didn't know these are like giant wheels. He's like, do you want them? I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I put them on the car and so <laughs> suddenly my car looks like a drug dealer's car. And I drove it. It was right before Powder Week and I drove it from Seattle and I was like rolling through the border and the guy's like rattling yeah. off drugs that I probably have in the car. I'm like, no, I swear. It's just like the thing looks <laughs> badass. Yeah, I had they're, a they're pretty. They're pretty tough, dude. When get it, getting into Canada, like getting back into the U.S. at that border has always been, you know, show your passport. What were you doing? Oh, we were skiing. Oh, yeah, it was an event. All right, cool. Welcome home. You're like sweet. 
but getting into Canada, like, oh, what do you got? Yeah, yeah, they they grill you. It's it's pretty it's pretty brutal. I mean, every time we've done that border crossing, yeah. we've had like somewhat of an issue. Um, the, the last time that we did it, I, th- I think it was with it was me, George, and Dylan Hall. And Dylan Hall had like a like a carton of cigarettes and like a thing of booze, and he like sticks it behind. He's like, "Oh shit, we gotta get to the border." <laughs> to the border. He's drinking, and, 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 he, and he puts it back. <laughs> and then the border agent's like, "Do you have any alcohol or or tobacco?" He's like, uh, "No." And I'm like, literally in the backseat, like, "Dude, they just want to know." Yeah, just say yes. It's not and, a. It's not like a yeah. uh, trafficking amount. No, no, <laughs> it's like you just bought it at the store, but you just lied to the guy. And then we get through the other side, and he's like. That was lights up a cigarette in the car. He's like, that was close one out, boys. Oh my God. This is a rental. That's right. the first thing they no, say. Well, we, 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 yeah, yeah. I think you got the smoky package though on that one. So we're good. <laughs> that that first year though, that Powder Week moved up there, there was, I mean, there was a bunch of people that got turned away at the border. You learn a lot about your friends and your acquaintances. You're like, oh, he's got yeah. some kind of federal thing going. Like, there's always a like, ooh, that's in Canada. Ooh, I don't know if I'm going to make that event. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have a family conflict. Yeah. <laughs> family event that weekend. It all comes out when you go to Red. Oh, dude. Well, hey, thanks for being on the Boston Ski Party, dude. This is pretty awesome. I know you've done a couple of podcasts before ours, um, so we're stoked to have you. Um, we've had a couple first timers, which has been really kind of fun. And the fact that you are a little more seasoned, I can already tell you're a little more comfortable, which is rad. I see you did there, seasoned. I like that, that pun. Did I, did I do that on purpose? <laughs> the season of my life is, uh, <laughs> has changed more than it did, you know, for about 12 years of my life at, uh, my previous role. So it's, um, it's cool to talk about this. Cause I think this is the first, well, no, no, I, I did one with, uh, Adam Jaber last summer in my living room, which was nice. Uh, to talk about, I'm not really sure what, but he, he's great. I love him. He, he's a self-described. He's like, I'm pretty bad at interviewing people. We just, just talk about whatever. I'm like, great. Just talk about whatever. All right, here you go. You're going on a journey. Yeah. It makes, it makes it easy. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just going to interrupt real quick, Josh. I just thought of something. Um, when, so Keep us when, on schedule. So I'm going to need, I, I'm going to ask you to throw those headphones back on just cause I, so I realized that our audio is going to be coming through your speaker and that's going to be picked up by the mic on your end. So it's just going to, it's just going to have a little bit of feedback, make it harder to edit. Um, but once you throw those on, it'll be fun. Better. I Corgi, Corgi, there we go. Corgi, Corgi, whale, orca whales, All right, Corgi, perfect. spritz. And that, and then, okay. and that'll, uh, that'll still record to QuickTime through your AirPods, right? Yeah, I'm still recording. I'll send you the whole file. It's gonna sweet, be great. Sweet. All right, it's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry about but, that. I didn't, I, I didn't think of that, but um, it'll so, be good now. Good yeah, call. Good call. Actually, that makes tons of sense. Um, we'll figure it out. But yeah, the- dude, in first year, you guys are doing great with this. I mean, Sierra's was awesome. There was a little bit of like weird feedback for a few of her things, but um, I, it was great. I loved listening to Sierra. It's 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 nice uh, dropping in. I was telling before Eric you got here. I was ten- saying, listening. I listened to a few of the uh, the shows on the way up here just to kind of see what's going on. And um, yeah, listening to ones where you know the people is cool because you get a little bit more um, insight into things that you are like. You guys talked about all these things, and I, I was I was at all those events too. So I was like, oh, it's cool to see someone else's perspective. But then also. The Tara and Devin one was awesome. Just learning about the um, the De- Devin, the Devin Tate. Of... Devin, Devin Tate, Tate. Devin Tate. It's not Tara. It's all good. 
De- Devin, wait, I, I, Devin, I, Tate. Devin and yeah. Tate. If I didn't correct you and they listened to this back and you'd be like, how did you not fucking correct him? So I'm correcting them, <laughs> correcting you for them right <laughs> no, now. No. So yeah, Devin Tate, <laughs> Devin and Tate. There we go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Devin and Tate, not Devin Tate. No, it no, wasn't no, one Devin, person. There was two was people. <laughs> Andrew Tate. Going viral. Uh, well, yeah. But they were great. She. The, I mean, the shared experience is, so well is, is kind of fun because because Berkowitz and I were, were we're just literally talking about this before we we jumped in here with you, and it's like it's a it's a fun thing for us because it kind of gets the conversation started because we all have these kind of fun shared experiences together before we actually are you know trying to talk about what you know the guest has you know has going on you know because that's why we want you on the show to talk about yourself but it is kind of fun to break the ice <laughs> a little bit and talk about hey remember that time ha 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 which is pretty cool which is actually it's a good segue because. I don't know if you you remember, but the first time that we met, the first time that mm, we it was at Mount Hood, yes, or well, it was in Seattle, and then we went down to Mount Hood and went skiing. So yeah, so and that's we, we it was just after Ski Monster Boston kind of opened. It was like our first, I think it was, I think it was our first like dealer esque trip, like where we're on our own, like big boy pants on, you know, me and me and George, <laughs> and we and we get to we land in Portland, and I remember Ryan McBride, who's now the director of, of sales for K2 at the time he worked with you at, at line full tilt and we walk out and I hadn't really met Ryan either. And he pulls up and like the K2 blacked out like BMW X five, you know? And I was like, Oh dude, this <laughs> those are nice. Sick, dude. This is going to be sick. And so, and so, and so we, we get in the, we get into the, the BMW and I'm like, I'm feeling pretty, I'm feeling pretty high. You know, I'm like, this is like, I'm, I'm on a dealer trip. Me and my, me and my bro are getting picked up in X fives. Like this is lit, you know? And then uh, we actually, before we drove to Mount Hood, we actually, we stopped in Evo Portland because they had just, not just opened, but they were- Just opened. Yeah, yeah, almost just opened. And that was the first time we saw that store. And and I remember, uh, I remember thinking we're walking in and because McBride is like, I want to show you Evo Portland. It's it's really great. And I I walked in, the first thing I thought of was like, how how the hell did they get that staircase into that location? Like someone spent a million (laughs) dollars on that staircase. Like that is a million (laughs) dollar staircase. And it was just like the even more, <laughs> probably even more. Yeah, <laughs> probably even more. Well, that building is amazing. It's the old Goodwill in Portland. And like, th- I think the even more impressive one was how they got their um, tuning equipment in the basement. Yes. They oh, basically yeah. had to drill a hole and, and lower like it, in it in. And, and now that's upstairs. They um, the the restaurant is no longer there and they've, they've expanded to like that level. So they have a much better um, rental service department and um, and service service thing and uh yeah that 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 building every building that that evo um kind of brings online in in their their world is is different which is you know insane because everyone is a different project but um yeah bryce phillips and uh, and the whole crew there that has kind of done that is it's it's cool. It's really cool to be uh, involved with those guys yeah, in, in that, we, that we form. Just, and you just, never know what's next, too. <laughs> no, so. we, we just met, to, speaking of Eva, we just met Pat Mahoney because uh, he, he was on that trip with us to Austria. Oh, nice. Dude, he's the man. Pat, Pat's awesome. We had some good times with Pat. He's a, he's a super cool dude. You know, We were kind of making fun of him towards the end because he's an East Coast guy, you know, like all of us, but he's been out West so long that he's just so slow. He's slow, you know. We're like making fun of him, and he doesn't even realize it. Got, and, he, and he's yeah. like, "Dude, I gotta go back. I gotta go back east for a while. I don't. I don't, I don't have my wits about me." I'm like, "You don't, bro. He's got. He's gotten a little. So, he's gotten a little soft. Pat, Pat we love you, but he, yeah, he knows exactly what we're talking about." So after we that left, was a thing I noticed, and when I moved to the West Coast, I'm like, "Ooh, everyone's kind of chill out here." Because the East, you know, you guys understand, everyone's like screaming at each other and like, oh yeah, fast paced. And I, I think it's because there's just 
so many people there. So you, you have a bit more competition. And uh, it's a very it's a good advantage uh, moving to a West Coast business or something like that, where you're uh, you're from the East Coast, because it's just you have this like kind of just a little bit faster and, uh, you know, more grit. I, you I you say. don't even realize yeah. it until you until you're around like a bunch of people from, you know, the Pacific Northwest or California or whatever. And you're kind of just spend a few days with them and you're like, man, OK, yeah, the East Coast is, is sharp. People, people are sharp yeah. on the, like not always in a good, in a good way, but they're, right. they're, they're, they're very, they can be very mean too. So then we, when we left, I just had, <laughs> just was yelling at this, me and this woman were yelling at each other. We weren't yelling at each other, but like I had missed my flight coming here and I was checking into the, uh, the Amex lounge. Great. I'll like make myself sound like a total D bag there. But, um, I was checking into the lounge and she's like, you can't be here cause your flight's taking off more than three hours. I'm like, no, no, I got changed. It's in, it's in an hour. She's like, no, it's this. And we're like, I'm like, why are we yelling at each other? Like we're yelling at, and, and then she finally like puts together. She's like, Oh, that makes a lot more sense. And I'm like, are you from the East? She's like, yeah. It was like, we just totally like kind of screamed at each other for about five seconds. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> it, like, it makes total cool. sense. It, I mean, it, yeah, it happens here all the time. So when you're exposed to it every day, you don't realize that, that it, it doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> you don't even realize it's happening. <laughs> but it's still salt of the earth. Like my, uh, my old college roommates, I went to university of Vermont and, uh, Burlington and one is from Woburn, Woburn mm-hmm. in uh, mm-hmm. North Boston. And like his friends, you know, you meet him at first and you're just like, what, who are these? I mean, similar to uh, yourself there, Eric, of just being like, who are these Boston jackasses? And they're like <laughs> salt of the earth and like tell the best stories, like the most ridiculous stories. And they all work in like blue collar things like Wayne's drains or like, uh, <laughs> you know, drains. like, like uh, plowing or something like that. So you're just like, yeah, these guys are or like, they work for like the Metro, like they're the a Metro cop or something guys. like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Vinny's tree yeah. service. Dude, shout, <laughs> exactly. out, shout out to Wayne, by the way. He's going to be stoked. Yeah. 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 Free advertising for <laughs> Wayne. Yeah. Which Wayne's drains, Wayne. Mahoney, dude. Mahoney would be stoked to shout out Mahoney on here. He doesn't work here anymore, I don't think. But yeah, they're they're the greatest people. And I I do miss that part of uh, the East Coast of just like, and you're also like a degree of separation from everybody. If you're of a certain age and you went to school in New England and you're from there, you are so close in in connection with basically everybody. It's it's nuts. And I, and, uh, I, I, yeah. I was used to hanging out with people that you're just describing because I grew up in Western Massachusetts and Springfield. And then I went to college at Lowell. So I was always just in Massachusetts uh, or New England. And so like when we started to finally travel around, going back to what we were just talking about, you know, when we went, when we got to government camp um, after, you know, driving, driving there from Portland, it, it was the first, not the first time, but one of the, one of the first times in, in my young ski industry career where I was kind of exposed to a lot of other people that weren't from the East coast specifically, you know? <laughs> and, and so we got to the house is when, you know, you and I first met and there's a lot of other skiers there. And then one person in particular that sticks out because this goes along with what you're saying is, is Brocker. I met, ta- I met Brocker oh, yeah. for the first time. And then he just starts talking to me and, and he's like, yeah, man, like, I'm like, I live like here in like some Valley and like Hawaii, like all at the same time. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> How does one, I didn't even know if someone could actually do that. You know, like, what kind of, how does, how does one, how does one accomplish such things? And, and, but it was like a kind of like a, oh, oh shit moment for me. Cause you're like, oh yeah. Like, wow. Like people, people do these jobs and like, these are the kinds of things that you get exposed to. And it's, it was really cool. I mean, it, it was, it was a, that was a really, really cool time and meeting all, all those people, especially someone like that. Cause it just sticks out in your brain. You're like, man, I want, I want that job. And br- yeah, but in Brocker, as we all know it, yeah, like 
that dude's one of a kind. Oh yeah, no. yeah, and, and man of mystery. He's making. Do you know what he's doing now? He's he's, uh, he's, a, he's making bread. Wait, what? I thought he was. Uh, a baker? I thought he was the K two rep. He is. He is also the Intermountain rep, but he, um, his gal, uh, she is from Bellevue, which is um, like a little bit south of Sun Valley in that that region. And her family makes um, barley barley hops and things like that for some big beer companies and things. But she, her business is uh, grain or bread. I forget what it's called. He walked me through the whole thing. I, I stopped in with him, and uh, they have the, they have like literally a grain silo or whatever and they're making flour this really like really really good flour so they had all these like machines from italy and things like that and now they make bread and um rockers bread yeah it's super cool that is really yeah. cool i would have never uh, it hasn't i mean it, gets, uh, it makes the sense, name though. yeah the name uh i'd love to give a promotion to it but the name uh eludes me right now but yeah it's really good flour and it's in all these cool places you got let's it. get this we'll bread. get that we'll put it in the show notes <laughs> put in the sh- we'll put yeah. in the show notes yeah very, very, what a, what an interesting cat though. Love, love, love Brocker. He used to show up at ski test in that, that old K2 expedition that they still did. has it excursion. No way. <laughs> yep. Dude, still has it. It's got, I don't it's know, 250,000 miles it's on it. have half a million miles. I mean, he, he had surpassed 300,000, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And like K2 <laughs> just kept putting a new wrap on it every year. Yeah, it like, it's, it's held together by the rest. Yeah, it was insane, insane. And then he would show up, and everybody's like, "God, what? Like, what do you even do for K two? And he's like, "Oh, I'm the director of corporate compliance." It's a great, it's, <laughs> it's a great title. What? It's a great title. What? What are you doing yeah. at ski test? I also think he 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 also cooked for us that whole the whole time we were there. I think he made dinner. I think he cooked breakfast. It was like a whole. It was a whole thing. Oh, it's it was such a good time. That that house is awesome. It's still going. I actually just visited it last Wednesday. It was Line Skis Week, and cat uh, caught up with some of those guys and all the the new people around there. And uh, yeah, the house is still going. We awesome. rent it for it. It all started as a development house. So like at the time, the development crew would pay for it, and uh, that was in their timeline of of developing skis. And then a few years ago, a few probably like ten years ago, they switched their timelines. Where like basically skis are done before then. It's like too late. Right. And but the house was kind of going away because at the time all the marketing people could use it because they weren't there all the time, and uh, and I put together this very large like Excel um, sh- spreadsheet and it was just like we need to have this house still and just kind of put it out to all the different departments at K two, and uh, and people signed up for weeks like K two snowboarding had a week and everything so it's still going and it's such a cool location, but yeah that that's a it's a good connector because I have you know lifelong connections and friendships with people that I w- would never. Um, no, like uh, Leanne Pelosi would be there or like uh, Mike Ishida, the photographer, just just people in different different realms of of that um, corporation that like I wouldn't have hung out with if I was just a small little independent uh, ski brand or boot brand. Right. I, I mean, that, so I mean, that night we were there. I, I, I you probably remember, but it because it's really funny. Again, a, a shared thing that like I probably would never been in the situation if it wasn't for the K2 house. But we were just drinking beers around the fire. And, you know, Tom Walsh was there and then Andy Perry walked down the street and he was like, can I come up? <laughs> he lived there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he comes up and he and he's, he sees Tom and then he, he goes, I'll be right back. And he runs to his house and he comes back and he had he had like some of his like most prized like Magic the Gathering cards. And he and he wanted Tom <laughs> to sign them. Do you remember that? He was like, Tom, <laughs> yeah. can you sign my, my Magic cards? And I think we're all we we're all like kind of thought he was joking at first. 
And I think so did Tom. We were all kind of like, oh, ha, ha. And then he was literally like, serious. Like, seriously, Tom, you're an Olympian. I need you to sign my magic cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tom coming onto the line skis team is pretty funny because everyone was just like, whoa. Because previous to that, I mean, lines, um, lines, you know, life cycle was one of the coolest teams in freestyle, like in the early 2000s, Skogan and Wilson and all those guys. And then Jay went you know, more or less banker for the second time or the first, or th there was just like a change and it was shifted basically to just Pollard and then a lot of young guys mm -hmm. that were, um, and it was like the meathead dudes. And so that was like Will Wesson and Andy Perry and the I Hate New York crew. And like, and it's cool to see like that second generation now become, you know, people that are internationally known um, ski stars, which is, Super cool. Yeah. But yeah, when Tom came on, because it was always a it was always a request or it was always a thing like we are one of the biggest freestyle ski companies in the world, but we never had that like marquee athlete that everyone knew and everything. And when Jason left, I it was the most comprehensive like negotiations and like just kind of explaining it to to my boss is why it was a really good investment to have Tom because he was off Scott and kind of more or less transitioning out of like X Games world and stuff, but he was still Tom Wallace and and just no, working with him with full tilt boots, he was so pro at everything. And you put his name on things and he could he could stoke out, uh, you know, a 10 year old German kid doesn't speak his language or like the CEO of GoPro or something like that. Right. So he's um, he, he's he's the full package and he's parlayed that into, you know, he, he'll have a lifelong career in skiing. And uh, yeah, when he came upon everyone's just like, what the hell? Like, God, this is totally different. I mean, but, his um, boot, too, at the time was obviously yeah. it was like pretty dope yeah putting the tongues on oh there and it was like when his boots were so successful and then with the skis we instantly and by instantly it took you know like 18 months for this to see the market but made the kid ski and made his pro model ski which we replaced the future spin which didn't really have much legs it was a good ski but it was it didn't really have that like you know high performance freestyle thing and we put his name on that thing and, and developed a new ski but in that price point and it sold, I think, like 900% more than we did the year before, which was, un it was, and there's really not that many athletes that you put their name on and put their, their, you know, partner with them where they can sell product, like literally like the, the formula works where it's like, mm -hmm. you know, influential person product with their name on it Dollars. sales. Yeah. And yeah. And the other thing too, is like everyone, like all the, you know, we had a dealer network line has a dealer network of, you know thousands of, of stores and the buyers know who Tom is. Like the adults know who Tom is. Like, you know, he may not be doing like the quadruple flips and things like that, but like no one knows who that person is. They know Tom Wallace yeah. and they know what he's done. So it's uh yeah, he has some really good staying power and he elevates people around him too. Like when he came on the team, people, you know, younger kids and everything, it, it legitimized a lot. And it's, it's really cool to see. I mean, I was in Dubai uh, last month. Uh, I'll get into that later, but um, in the ski dome there, and there was so much Tom Wallace like uh, product. I like this one kid. I took a picture with his skis and sent it to him. And I'm like, here, I'll, I'll text Tom right now. He's like, what? Like <laughs> you just literally texted Tom Wallace the skis that I have of like the guy like in the middle of the desert. Yeah. And so he was stoked. But I was just like, yeah, dude, you are Mr. International. And yeah, going on on promotional tours with him and stuff. I probably touched on that in one of the other podcasts of where we were promoting his new ski in Europe and the European guys wanted to do this whole, you know, tour of like, you know, parties at shops and things like that. And he had just broken his neck mountain biking. And so he was in a, <laughs> a um, neck brace. Oh, and I'm like, dude, we can, we can cancel the trip. Like, this is totally fine. Like, I, I totally understand. He's like, no, I'm all good. It's <laughs> 
off. <laughs> and so he had this neck brace on and literally like I, I for a week, I was never more than like 20 feet away from him. And everywhere we went was a new group of people. So everywhere we went was the same questions every time. What happened to your neck? Right, and he yeah. managed to get it down to like this 15 second pitch yeah. <laughs> or like or just change the story like every time. And it was just it was he's such a pro. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that, that's that. a pro move for sure. I mean, to, to uh, touch on what you said about he just drives stoked. It doesn't matter who he talks to. Like that next day when we went skiing, right? We're in line um, at, at Hood, and it was myself, George, um, Tom, you, McBride, some other people, and there was like a group of like five kids behind us as we're like kind of walking up, and I and I, you know, you hear him whispering, and you hear like, I think I think that's I think that's him, and you're like, you, you could that's obviously so cool. hear him whisper, so you turn around, and then Tom turns around, looks at him, they're like. Oh, it, it is. It's him. It just passes. <laughs> it's, it's Tom. And, and it was kind of cool to stand, be standing next to him and see it in real life, you know. And then the, one of the kids of the five, you know, conjured up enough courage and was like, Tom, can I can I touch your arm? Can you sign my magic cards? <laughs> <laughs> and Tom just, he, he goes, oh, okay. And he reaches out his arm and the kid just like touched his forearm and he was like, oh my God. <laughs> and all his other friends were like behind him. Like, I can't believe you just did that. And we get on the lift and, and it was just like one of those weird moments. You're like, man, like that was, that was pretty funny to witness in real time. Yeah. A bunch of, a bunch of like campers be like, I can't believe I just touched Tom Walsh's. And arm. that kid hasn't washed his hands. <laughs> <since>. No. <laughs> Knowing their place. Dude. So, so, so why, why were you in Dubai? What, what were you doing there? Oh, back so right? back to the trip. I, uh, yeah, there was, um, so our, uh, season equipment, we make snowboards and skis. And so our snowboard factories in Dubai, our, our European partners are the Nidecker group who operates and owns um, like Jones Snowboards and the S Snowboards and a lot of other things. So we had a connection with the SWS board factory that's there. It's this super high-end snowboard factory. It sounds kind of odd that it's in Dubai, but it's actually a very centralized location for making global products. Mm -hmm. And um and they started, I think, with, well, they actually make like fiberglass boats and things like that, but a lot of fiberglass work and then um, water skis and uh, wakeboards. So like Ronix and Sick. some other ones are made there. Hyperlite, I believe, too. And um, so they they have chops in making snowboards and make a lot of them. So we were fortunate enough to to get into that factory with our tiny little um, volumes and things like that. So it was the first time we wanted to go see that manufacturing and then before that, I was in, I was talking to these guys before about um, my vacation and my vacation for my vacation. <laughs> and then uh, we did a 10-day tour, uh, myself and uh, the product manager, GM, Andy, and then Austin Smith, who's uh, an owner and founder of the brand, uh, who's a pro snowboarder from Bend. And we went to uh, the Comperdell um, factory, which is who makes our poles in Austria in this lovely place called Mondesi. And uh, they're super high end. And then went to the Amherst Sports Factory where our skis are made. So for the listener here, that's Amherst Sports is um, they produce Solomon Atomic. Uh, there's Black Crow stuff there. There's Faction there. It, it's one of the best ski. Yeah, Armada. It's it's one of the best ski factories in the world. Or it's it, it's one of the more um, high tech ones too. It was, it's uh, you know skis are made and you guys touched on it in a, in Sierra's podcast there with skis are all made there's a lot that goes into a ski and there and being able to see a few different factories the uh the one in uh, our K21 in China which is was made built from the ground up and um is is amazing and to see those processes but then to see the Amherst processes where it's it's in the fields and and helps pretty much uh the amount of robots they have and and someone said it and 
it might have been George or you, Eric, where it's like these things should be way more expensive way more after expensive, you go yeah. see like the Blizzard. Yeah. And and it is. I was just like, oh my god, there's there's so much automation and so much um, just like robots, like just picking something up from one place to put it to another because it's you know more in the long run, it's it's more affordable than than having that many employees. There's really not that many employees, and the amount of skis that they make is unbelievable. And uh, yeah, I was thoroughly impressed with their um their facilities and what they can do and the the consistency our, our skis have you got on our skis at all yet it's kind of we've been kind of yeah, mysterious we, in the yeah world. we actually we did uh at the free skier tests this year in Jackson oh yeah Hole. yeah oh yeah we were all hanging out the free skier yeah test. we totally were about that. that was an amazing week so and it was like the one time it snowed oh it was awesome yeah <laughs> so awesome. i was really glad i went to that and uh yeah the consistency and um and just the professionalism that they 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 put into all the skis because you know we're we're literally 0.01% of their overall volume and um since our previous or our our product manager Andy worked for Armada for years and years he worked with K2 previous to that he had a relationship with them so we were able to get into there too just you know through some connections and being um you know being around for a long time and and so we're super grateful to be in there and uh yeah the the product the consistency is amazing and what they put out is just like second to none and uh it's it's not cheap that's for sure but it's um no. you, you know you know you're you know what you're getting and uh yeah and they're it's just a rad crew there but, for you, sure. but, but to your point Josh like when you see it right and you see the whole process and you and you walk the, the floor and you see all like the the TLC that goes into it and then like maybe you hold the ski later on in your office or your house or at a store. It, it doesn't, if you don't see that, it's like, a, it's a weird thing. You're like, well, oh yeah, it's just a pair of skis. Right. And you, but when you actually see it get made, you're like, dude, you know, back to what you're saying with, on the Sierra pod is like, yeah, dude, these should be a lot more. When you see the whole thing from like the start to finish, it's amazing. It's only, you know, you know, $500, $600 or whatever it is. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They're all going up as you can, as you can see, it's uh, it's unfortunate in the world of, uh, raw materials and things like right. that but uh, yeah it's and it's and it's in the development that goes into like qualifying those um those layups and things like that is nuts i mean th like the polonia maple you know cores and everything like that somebody took a long time to figure out that that was the that was one of the better things to use in something and yeah it's it's super cool to to, to see that whole process be made and and just to and when you're there too you look at things in a different um lens too, you know, like a, a factory, just any factory in the world doesn't really want to change their processes or whatever. And with our skis, if the listener has seen them on the internet or, um, or touched them, they're, you know, from far away, they're, they're starkly black and timeless graphics and, and they seem simple, but pretty much every process that we have there is outside of their norm of, of how they create a ski. Like we use laser etching instead of like screen printing, we have it on the sidewalls. Our sidewalls are actually a, um, a, a larger bevel on the sides because it's um it, it shows a shape a lot more but like that has to go to a like an entirely different room and so they're just like just so you know like this has to come off the normal process go over here do this do this i'm like oh yeah we are we are definitely testing your guys's capabilities <laughs> and they do it with grace and it's and maybe because it's we're a, we're small and they can they can handle that and and possibly bring it to uh the bigger the bigger um companies but uh yeah it's they're they're very um nuanced in in uh construction and things like that so there's yeah it's a, it's a cool cool to see the frustrations or the also the um 
the things the the fun little challenges that we need to work around or or uh, kind of change what we think because it's like oh that's why that's impossible like you know in in Eric Pollard who is founder of of Season and uh, you know most of the listeners probably know his his journey of of you know the last twenty five years of developing skis and with line is he's he's a total visionary when it comes to things and some of his his requests or, or what he's looking for are like they exist or they can be done, but they're very difficult to, uh, to achieve. So it's like, it's a, it's a total team effort to, to, to get to a, a finished product that's, um, that we're happy with. So it's, it, you, you, it's cool. You said that, that, you know, the graphics are obviously, you know, you guys are going for more of that timeless kind of look and I'm sure you get this question all the time, but is that the kind of direction that you're going to stay the course with that? Or are you going to kind of mix it up to see see what the response is from the market? With I mean, because they're pretty basic graphically, obviously, but that's done. On yeah, yeah. So I just wasn't sure if you guys were staying with that or you're. I mean, obviously, Eric is an artist, so I know it's a, it was a real um, like uh, shock when uh, when this is the brand that came out because I remember Leventhal was like, "What are you guys making? I know you're doing something." <laughs> blah blah blah. And he was all like, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't threatened. He just knew that uh, the team that we built is uh, pretty, um, you know, we have some some good chops. And uh, and I'm like, Eric or Jason, it's it's very different than your your business model for sure. And um, when we were, you know, we had the opportunity to make a new brand. You know, there's there's so many good ski brands out there and there's so many good snowboard brands out there. And, and we wanted to do something different. And, uh, you know, back in the day when Eric was basically the first one to draw a graphic over two skis, or make super wide skis, or those were, it kind of gets lost in the, and I'll use this platform to say, it gets lost in the world of the things that he kind of changed in skiing that are that are t- totally commonplace now, like, you know, super wide skis or yeah, graphic treatments or big art on skis that really didn't exist in the early 2000s. They all looked right. like NASCARs and, yeah. and just like logos and things like that. And so, and now you look at your ski wall there in Ski Monster and it's, it's ubiquitous with everything. So why would we want to bring out another me too product that is, you know, play the hits of, of what we've, we've always been doing and everyone assume, assume that, but with, uh, working with Austin and Eric and Austin's been crucial in this too, is like, we, our group, we've kind of, I don't know, matured or whatever, and have seen the market where people are overwhelmed. Like there's, everyone makes good skis and boards, but like, it's just an overwhelming shopping experience. It's like the cereal aisle. And, you know, there's little nuanced differences in everything or like a, a brand has 40 plus different models and it's just like very, very niche. And so we wanted to get back to more basics and make that um, kind of decision more um, solid for, for the consumer. And um, and then also, you know, it's like you have a ski and then the Q1 release comes out and it's the same ski with a different graphics. So suddenly your ski is expired or whatever. So like the only in skis and boards are durable goods. So like the only thing that makes them like expire uh, in a quicker way is marketing, right. you know, because that's, that's the world we're in. And I, I lived that for, you know, 13 years of my life of being like last year's product line sucked. This year's is great. Next year's even better. Bye, 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 sell, sell, <laughs> sell. And that's, you know, that's, that's capitalism and consumerism. So we kind of wanted to um, kind of present the idea of what it means to have a different relationship with your product. And, um, with the partnership we have with the Evo, um, we're like, how can we lean into that more? And so like when you buy our skis or boards, they have a lifetime warranty, but they also have uh, free service for the life of the product. So like you can 
bring them in every fall and get them get a standard tune for free and get discounts on on repairs and things like that. Like skis do get clapped out and, um, you know, there is an end life. But when you think about that full consumer, you know, there's a lot of different consumers out there. I feel like SIA, like someone who is like a avid skier is like nine plus days a year or something right. like that. Whereas like most skiers, 90% or so, they go skiing once in a while and they do have their skis for a long time. You've been in the East Coast, you go up to Killington, you see someone that's on a pair of 25 year old skis and they're still having a great time. But um, they, you know, they they don't really break or, or whatever as much. Yeah, the, the high end skiers. Some people will say, I go through two pairs of skis a year, but that's a very small amount of people and they probably do because they probably destroy them or, you know, rail skiers, things like that. But, um, but yeah, the most, the general public that enjoys the mountains is, um, is holding out to their product for a longer time. And that you see that trend in, in a lot of things, you know, it's, a uh, someone was like, so you're like the Marie Kondo of ski brands or whatever, where it's like <laughs> simplify and make your life. And I know it's really simplified my life because you only have five different choices right. depending on your conditions or whatever. But, um, I live in a 600 square foot condo in Seattle, so I don't really have much space. And uh, and you want to have that thing that you know you're going to keep uh, keep season over season. And you know, it, it launching the brand like this, people are like, "What's the new hot thing?" or "What's whatever?" And it's like, actually, it's kind of more of a long game. We wanted to start telling the stories of people who have kept their skis going. You know, I've been skiing on the same pair of Nexuses since the they're literally the first ones, and uh, they were actually prototypes. And I think they came out of the box delaminated and I just fixed them. <laughs> and that fix has, I just epoxied them and, um, and they still work to this day. And they're just, you know, there's some scratches on them and stuff, but they have some, some, uh, some character to them. So it's, we, we really want to try, you know, if you go to our site or see our messaging, it's like those three uh, main values where it's like equipment in common. So I know I'm talking to the ski monster, but you guys sell mass amounts of snowboards and things like that. And we're snowboarders and skiers. I've snowboarded since fifth grade. I'm more defined as a skier per my career and what I do mostly. But um, Eric is the same way. Austin's a pro snowboarder. And there's there's brands out there that make skis and snowboards, but they kind of pretend the two don't exist, which is interesting. Like Solomon Snowboards is a much different yeah, uh, world than Solomon Skis. And with this, we wanted to go equal, you know, like in common. So with our, our messaging, our, our imagery, you're going to see skiers and snowboarders on the same thing and also young and old. So it's like our, our skis are very like, um, they, they transcend categories, I guess, too. So it's not like this is for this exact kid that wears this exact hoodie or these big baggy pants or whatever. It's like, no, no, like literally my dad can get on the kin ski, which is a super, you know, tight side cut, like, um, non-metal like fun 96 wasted ski yeah. and then um but also the park kid can too and have a great time so and we want to show that it's like it's all commonality so that right. commonality thing is is huge for us and then yeah the uh, the longevity part of it is is the other one where it's just like our our sustainable story isn't the most like sleek and sexy one but it's the most obvious one where it's like keep your shit longer than you you think you need it where it's like because if you use if you use a plastic cup like three times, it like, you know, I don't know, saves the world or something like that. But it's um, it's it, it's not promoting get the new thing every year and stuff. So it's it's definitely like an uphill battle of changing that conversation when it comes to buying equipment. But um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's been very um, 
gratifying to see that our community is growing like that and people get it, which is really cool. Yeah. I mean, obviously, so. obviously to us, it seems like just a little backwards from the way that we've all been doing business, you know, obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I mean, <laughs> I mean, personally, like TSM, like we had a great run with line um, for a while, you know, and at the time you were at line, you know, you guys had it cooking. I mean, you guys are cooking pretty good with yeah. multiple different families of like all mountain skis. And of course you had the park and the powder boards that they were just on fire. Um, and I mean, there were a few years there where we would sit down and look at the catalog, the line catalog and think, okay, what are we going to leave out? Because this year, everything, everything yeah. is, is, is viable. You know, so you have like, everything looks good. Everything's skiing well, everything's insanely sellable. I mean, what's interesting about that is, and to where you are now, Josh is like, what were the, with the line years is like, what do you think those years they, I mean, having stuff and having this wide catalog of stuff that's so sellable and so skiable, I mean, attributed to your success year after year, uh, and some of those staple namesakes in the line catalog, getting those upgrades and those those graphic, if you will, that people were excited to buy. And now it seems like you completely turned the page and went the other way and said <laughs> like, hey, no, just buy this once. And then uh, come back to us in a few years. <laughs> it's like completely well, opposite. Exactly. <laughs> the ski and yeah. company that wants to sell less skis and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, it actually, yeah, and, and that's, it's more the long game or the, the slow burn of that, of people understanding that and coming to, uh, and there's space for everyone yeah. and, uh, and line is still doing just, just fine, but it, it does also have to do with our distribution. We sell direct to consumer and just in Evo North America and, um, in mainland Europe, Blue Tomato is our, is our partner in, in all of Europe. So like our distribution, suddenly we're talking directly to only about three different, um, I guess you'd say sales channels as opposed to, you know, the 1200 and global, um, sales rep forces of, of line or, or another brand. I mean, and you see that like, you know, Matt, you've, you work with Fisher and it's like the Italian rep wants this, yeah. but the North American guy wants this. And it's like, well, of course you're, you want to, you know, tune your, your product line to where that distribution is. And, um, and that's where a, a brand or a, a model line just goes, crazy. You know, yeah. you, you have everything for everyone and, uh, and you have the resources to do it. So that's where you see the, you know, 50 plus models of, uh, of K2 and, and everybody and talking to some of my colleagues of other brands, like, Oh my God, I wish I could do that. You know, you, you don't have to like hustle to do a photo shoot every year to get the new graphics or whatever. You can actually, you know, build upon your, your asset library, year over year, or you can, you can more focus on telling the stories of, of the actual, uh, snowboarders or skiers out there and not just focus on the team that you've, you know, spent a significant amount of money on. Cause it's like, if you're not, you know, if, if you're, if you're buying Tom Walsh, you're, you're gonna buy a segment or something like that, or you're, you're going to have to, you know, work within those lanes. Whereas we gave ourselves a lot more, um, bandwidth or freedom to, to promote a lot more of like the community at large, as opposed to um, just a, just a few people, and then really lean into telling or really lean into like pumping only those few few models. Right. And if you notice too, our skis and boards are the same name too. The powder board is yeah, named the Forma. The powder skis are named the Forma. So it really simplifies the process, and um, and so it it simplifies the messaging, and it and it makes it just kind of more pal palatable for you know the consumer that's just getting barraged with just a bazillion type of things at all times like oh do i get this one do i get this one do i get this one well this one's pretty good and whatever and um yeah so it's it's a totally different um sales proposition but it's really gratifying to see it kind of working we're going into year three now and um yeah it's uh it's growing like crazy i'm not we're not like 
going nuts and being like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But like, we need to kind of still keep that, um, that, uh, I guess like, and what's the word for it? Just like, we need to make, we need to realize that like, it's more of a long game and like, you know, Jason's been around for J skis for 10 years or like black crows has been around for about 20 years. Yeah, like crazy. an overnight, an overnight success brand on average age is 10 years old. So we're infants still, we're still, you know, learning about what's new or, you know, what we can do. And, and, you know, we're pretty small resource. Like I made the website and like, I'm, I'm like my, my role has changed, you know, it changes by the hour pretty much in the day. And, um, and so it's, you know, just putting all the pieces together and, and working with the best people is, uh, is kind of where we're, we're at right now. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting yeah, as hell. I, I think for that's sure. Go ahead, Matt, sorry. I think, I think that streamlining though is, is interesting. I mean, obviously you, you, uh, and, and we'll run it back and talk about it a little bit more, but you've worked for, you know, a very large global brand and, you know, you brought up other countries and, you know, you would go to those global meetings and it's, it, it's a battle and, you know, for, oh, yeah. for good reason. They would hate us in Europe. Well, yeah. And they're like, why are you making another 110 plus ski or well, why are you making a fish shaped ski or whatever? It's like, because this, this is not what the, the curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, exactly. Well, <laughs> and it's like, you you think about the 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 time and the resources spent at you know at those meetings and development and, and obviously you have to do those things because they are global companies and you know the Italians want and need different things than the Germans want and need than the Swiss want and China and obviously North America and everything so oh yeah be, being global brands you need to you need to cater to to each of those markets but at the same time you get into those meetings and it's like it's a battle you know, and, and then there's the battle <laughs> yeah. over the battle over the marketing dollars and the stories that are being told. And well, that story doesn't work for us here because racing doesn't matter as much. And, mm -hmm. you know, free rides a fad and park skiing, you know, doesn't matter anymore. So it's like everybody's coming at you. And then you have, yeah. to, you have to leave that meeting and figure out like, A, what products you're, you're bringing in and selling, what the stories are behind them. You know, and then you're all fighting for the marketing dollars too. So yeah, um, and trusting your gut too. It's like a lot of more sales centric people are more rear view, where it's like just make the S7 because that sells good. And it's like <laughs> if you're just making the S7, it's going to come out two years later, and the S7's gone. And so like that rear view uh, view is kind of you know you definitely take the feedback from the people on the ground selling things to 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 people, but then you also have to be like, no, no, this is the future, and and working with people like Eric and. And, uh, you know, Andy and, and just like seeing what's out there and, and connecting with consumers, you have to kind of know what's next and um, and go on a little bit of faith of, of what's going on. So it's yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a fun puzzle to figure out. That's for sure. And yeah, when we had like the the Sakana and then the Pescado and it's like, why, you know, Reen from from the Mid-Atlantic is like, what the hell? Like, you're going to market the hell out of this thing? Like, I need the price point park ski. What the hell? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's going to sell for sure. But like this one is you know, a higher margin. And, and it's like, it's going to inspire people to, to come into this stuff. It's the concept cars versus, um, you know, the Toyotas and stuff like that they actually sell, which is interesting. But with season going back to season, we're trying to make skis that are, you know, not intimidating, but also can perform really well. We're in one of the best factories in the world. And then, um, you know, making sure it's, they, they're versatile as hell. So that's, that's kind of where it is. And you see a lot of the bigger companies, simplifying in a way like, I mean, there's, there's families now, as opposed to like a different name for every, every ski that you have. And, you know, everyone wants to simplify, but like, 
you get, yeah, you have huge, you know, sales distributions and different stores and different things like that. It's, it's really difficult to really hone in that, that world. So we're, you know, it's as much as people want to see like insane graphics from Eric and all this stuff. And, you know, there's, there's always room for limited edition things and, and, and to, to, um, to service that, that certain customer, but like, there's only a limited amount of resources. And if you're pulling your mind away from what you're staying true with, you're, you're going to dilute everything. So it's, we're trying to really simplify our process. Yeah, and, I mean, and make, uh, that's true. I, but from a, from a selfish standpoint, you know, I, 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 oh, look, yeah. I look forward to the, to the new stuff. It's like, I, I'm, I'm, exci- I know. I'm an excitable guy, Josh, you know me. I'm like, dude, what's new. Let's, let's see it, dude. Like, like I, I want something new, you know? So from, from a, maybe that's just the East coast. I mean, maybe that's just the, the Boston in me that like, you know, wants the, the new, new, yeah. but yeah. I mean, what, what, you, what you're saying about season makes, makes total sense. It's just, it's just funny to and hear. By it's no like, it's funny to done. hear from you. Yeah. It's funny to hear from you knowing it's, it's a, <laughs> knowing the, the story of line a, and you're yeah. telling me we're going to sell less skis. This is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not less skis. I'm sorry. You're right. Just, uh, just not, just many. a different, um, <laughs> just <laughs> line is 25 years old. K2 is 70, like Rossi's 100. We're three, uh, two yeah. and a half. So it's, and and there's a, there's a lot of skiers that we've seen in these last few years and a lot of new people coming to the sport. And yeah. uh, I'll, I'll reference Sierra's podcast on here too, of just being like, there is a lot of people that are, you know, moving to Seattle and there's mountains near there and they're not like, uh, you know, they, they want to go try skiing or something like that. And it's like to, to, you can't really get into that nuance if you're just starting out and like, you kind of want just like that story that aligns with you. And, and we have, we, you know, we, we present, you know, our three values there of like in common, maybe your son snowboards and you ski or the longevity thing. One of those things is going to, to align with, with somebody's, uh, you know, values and, um, or the sustainability aspect of it, of being like, oh yeah, I don't have to buy these all the time. And these guys are actually like focusing on, you know, making less waste not i mean we're still making waste we're making skis and the best thing to do would be not do anything but you know we need to do things to our job but um <laughs> but yeah it's uh it's like a yeah, few and, years and, off and the, shut it down yeah snow sports industry too it's, it's to a fault too because we're all not you know make we're not in this industry to make a bunch of money and things like that we, we're following our passion so it's like you have the people running the industry are super passionate about this stuff and so they are the 0.001 percent of what the community at large of sliding down hills um, is. And so it's tough to take that step back and be like, oh, this is what the actual full industry is or full, you know, addressable market is, is having to tune things, having to like not dumb it down, but like having to just make things a little bit more simpler and uh, easier to, uh, to come in into. Yeah. It's cool talking to different consumers being like, Maybe I should get new skis. I've had the same ones for 20 years. I can get these ones. And, and, you know, it's, or people that are like creatives, like we, a lot of customers that have come to us are like DPs in Hollywood or like, like artist type people. And they love the, the look of it because it's so like, you know, different than everything else. And, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting to see that, uh, well, I hope that you new got, community of people. I hope you guys older. do do some, you know, some limited edition stuff because to, get Pollard back on display. I mean, that was one of the, one of the things I look forward to every year, like whether it was, you know, in a buyer's guide or like, you know, when we worked, you know, just getting started out, the new graphics would come out. You're kind of stoked to see what's the new, what are they going to look like? Like, like, are they going to be dark? 
are they going to be pop? Like, right. You know, like, you know, what's his vibe? What was his vibe last year? Like, like you know what I mean? So <laughs> what's his stage of what's life? Stage of life? Time right. when there was a lot well, of trees. Well, I mean, yeah. because this is another one of these like weird, surreal, like ski industry moments that, that we now are talking about on, because we have a podcast and they keep coming up because we're talking to people that really help provide them for me. But that was similarly like when, you know, you and McBride, uh, when, when we went to Pollard's house, like I, I remember. Oh yeah. You guys went there. Yeah. So it was like, one of those things where we're leaving hood and McBride's like, yo, do you want to, before we go to Seattle, do you want to go to Eric Pollard's house and uh, look at some ski edits and some graphics <laughs> and play some soccer? And I'm like, uh, uh yeah, bro. Did you, <laughs> did you touch his arm? I, no, I was too afraid to ask. <laughs> but it was one of those things. And then we get to Eric's house and he's showing us, you know, next year's, next year's artwork that he's thinking about putting on the skis. And you're just sitting there being like, I can't believe this is the dude that was like landing those like, you know, 180s off that cliff on the magazine that I saw five years ago, and I'm in his house, and he's showing me artwork. Right. And again, I was just like, "Holy shit! Like this is so rad!" And now he just makes yeah. black skis. So. <laughs> well, I'll say to 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 Eric's defense, I mean, he's his his creativity is many mediums, and what you're seeing now is him. I mean, he's an amazing photographer and videographer and, and editor. So like the, those product videos we came out with last year, they're like mini films. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's, um, and his, his focus has changed a lot more. He's a father. He's got a, a 10 year old and a six year old daughter. And, um, he's, he also had his serious injury like six or seven years ago. So his, his leg is kind of messed up and he's 39 years old now, 38, mm -hmm. something like that. But yeah, he's, he's, he's been through the thing. He's been a pro skier since he was like 14. So his, um, his focus has changed a lot, which is, which is awesome because it's just, you get to see him be creative in totally different ways of, of how to like, how to make in his vision, uh, you know, like going skiing with like, uh, someone down the street who's like a farmer who like literally like is a farmer, but goes skiing and, and how to make that into a, a beautiful story of some kind. And so you, you'll see it in the photography and the, um, in the videos and things like that, where it's, um, it's kind of cool to see him go in that different way. He definitely still paints and stuff like that, but that's super intensive, um, work in, in you know, at the, at the end of our, our line tenure there, it was like, it seemed like years were too quick or it's just like, dude, we need the next graphic. Like, I know you just handed off the, this one for this year, but like, we just changed our timelines and we need the new one, like literally in three days. And he's like, I, you know, in, in asking a, a, a creative to just yeah. turn on being yeah. creative is really difficult. Yeah. Right. And especially if you're going with one guy, whereas, you know, you see most of, of ski and board brands, they're, they're using artists who are just like, oh, fuck yeah, I'll make a board this year or whatever, because yeah. they're, they're excited. But when you get to like 40 different pro models over 20 years, it gets a bit like, oh God, how can I make this one slightly different? And that make, was that, black. that like that rat, that rat race that was just like, whew. It was a, it was a lot for sure. And it's like, and the consumer gets so confused because like, well, what year and what's this? And just in my sister's gear closet and she has this, she's like, oh, I love this year's Opus, but like the black one seemed to ski better and all this stuff. So I'm like, oh my God, I don't even remember what that was. But she's yeah, they, got they, they pile too. on top of each other for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and there is those people. I mean, there's super fans out there that have like literally every single one of them. So it's, it is cool, but it, it'll be sweet to see like a lot more of the, um, the black skis on, on the mountain and, and just, uh, people high five and skiers and snowboarders. Mount, Mount Hood Meadows is definitely our, like, kind of where our flag is placed because I, I don't know if Eric actually skied 
away from hood for the last two years. I mean, pandemic and mm-hmm. kids and in, in school and things like that. And it's it's really creating a cool little um, community up there for sure. And it's just so neat. Like I think last year, or the year before, I like I saw someone I didn't know on our skis, like at Alpenthal, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh my god, this is so cool. <laughs> like, so they went up to like, me like, hey, what's up? I'm like, oh, shit. Josh, nice to meet you. Yeah, they're like, this guy <laughs> just totally know. came up to me. He seemed way too excited that I bought these skis from Evo. That I just was sick of seeing all the graphics and like, wow, this is great. So yeah, it's been, yeah, it's That's been cool. super cool to 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 see it grow, and hopefully we'll get some more East Coast. Uh, things going on and whatever yeah so you not, guys have asked like two questions i just keep going on tangents no, here. no that's perfect that, listeners like it that's no, good perfect, and dude. and not not to not to make a huge backtrack but i'd be doing a disservice if i didn't ask i mean um you know you and i have known each other for a long time but i don't i don't actually know you know how you ended up at at k2 in in line i mean i knew you grew up in in connecticut i knew you know you went to college in vermont but like what was the connection between oh, my, Vermont and then and then getting the job at at you know line full tilt? I was just telling the story of my like the exact moment that actually kind of shifted the trajectory of my life. And it, you know, since it's so far away from me and I'm an adult now, I could talk about it. Um, <laughs> it all comes down to uh, stealing my friend's car by accident, drunk and crashing it <laughs> in high <Wow>. school. <laughs> nice. So, like yeah, in Connecticut, uh, I was a senior in high school, and these friends up the way, they had a big party or whatever, and we'd all just leave our keys in in our cars and things like that. And my parents were like, you got to get home or whatever. And I was totally um, irresponsible. This is like 17 years old, and like got into what I thought was my car, and like went down the the hill, hit the curb, and like left it there and walked home. My next morning, my mom wakes me up. She's like, "Do you know what you did?" I'm like, "Uh, bad. I don't know." And then she like explained it. I'm like, "Uh." And so basically I was like, my life is over or like I was in like the lowest point of my life. And at the time I was getting a little bit better at skiing or I liked skiing, but like, I was like, I'm not hanging out in Connecticut. This is toxic for me or whatever. And we have a little ski house. My parents are public school teachers in, in Southington, Connecticut or were they're retired now, but, um, but we had this little ski house up there. And so I just go up there every weekend and I was kind of just like, not fuck it, but I was just like, I was more into skiing and I got way better at it and I really liked it. And so that informed my decision to go to University of Vermont because I can go skiing more. Mm-hmm. And then I was uh, I was a forestry major at first and then I was a recreation management major, which is kind of a, a it's not a bullshit major, but it's pretty <laughs> kind of a bullshit major, but it made me go skiing a lot we're more. We're saying graduation and, kind of major. Yeah, pretty much. And I... Um, <laughs> And I found a crew of, of skiers and stuff like that. And at the time, UVM now has like a massive like free ride team and all this other stuff. It's like a scene up there. But at the time, it was just a bunch of snowboarders and skiers that we wanted to go, you know, film stuff and 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 do comps and, and things like that. And so we made a, a fake little production company called Right Side Productions, which was just to get uh, free skis from the guy down the street, Jay Leventhal. Line Skis was in Burlington at the time on Flint Avenue. And get free passes and stuff. So we were making videos, we were doing events, and we wanted to slide rails on campus, but like we'd get kicked out by the cops. So we'd make an event to slide the rail down the campus. And and Jay would give us his like liability insurance, which was probably not a good idea at the time. But um <laughs> Yeah, man. Here you go, but, sign it up. It, it, and so with that, I you know, we were getting real life um uh experience doing marketing stuff and 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 video stuff. I mean, I edited video, we had video premieres and things. And so I got an internship at Line Skis and then um, went to 
Yeah, I realized I wasn't going to be a pro skier because no one could pronounce my last name and I wasn't really that good. But um, the uh, and so I did an, a year long internship. And that, that was the time when Jason when line was purchased by K2 Sports in 2006. And so I was still in school. And then I worked with like the meathead guys for a little bit, another internship and then went to the ski rack. And I was very bad at being a floor salesman. Matt Manzer, uh, the boot engine or boot category manager at Atomic can tell you that because he was my boss. But um, and then I think I graduated college and I was like working with the meatheads and ski rack and then a marketing coordinator job opened up at K2 or for line at K2 in Seattle. And I was basically just was like, Jay, I think I could do this job. And my brother lived in Seattle at the time. I didn't really know where it was. It was really far away. But like in literally a three week period of proposing that to Jay, applying for the job. Uh, I think I was hired in that three weeks and I moved to Seattle. And even before I moved to Seattle, my first day was a trade show in Las Vegas. And so 22 years old, flying out to Vegas, uh, Ben Wallace, who I work with now, actually, with through Evo, he was a salesman at the time, handed me my computer. And he's like, okay, welcome to welcome to the ski industry. And, um, and yeah, that was 22. So 2008. And uh, yeah, then the rest is kind of history from there. But like, it all kind of stemmed from a weird moment in my time that like kind of shifted my trajectory into being more into skiing and, and um, not really wanting to have a real job, I think in my entire life, I, I still don't, that's a Warren Miller quote. It's like, if you like your job, you've, you never work a day in your life. And, and that's kind of how my, my career has gone and um, super fortunate, a lot of luck. You know, I'm not going to say that I like came from the ashes or whatever. I'm still a white male from New England. So I had everything going for me as, as we all obviously know these days. And, um, but it was seeing the, these opportunities at the time and then, and jumping on them and, yeah. and taking that, that little leap. And yeah, the, uh, the tenure at, at K2 sports was a lot longer than I thought it was. I didn't think I was gonna be in Seattle for that long, but, um, it just kind of kept going and, and line and full tilt had cool momentum and we were able to do basically anything we wanted. And worked with Jay and, you know, Jason taught me everything I know about, you know, branding and positioning, marketing and work ethic too. And, uh, and then when he left in 2013 or so for that, then I was elevated to, to overseeing line and full tilt. And, um, that, that expanded my, my world of just, I'm, I'm a curious per person by nature. So I wanted to know every part of the thing. I'd go to factories, go to, you know, get deep with the development guys, you know, try to, you know, start try new marketing things. You know, the internet wasn't as um, prevalent as it is as now. So we were kind of first there and yeah, it kind of just, um, it all kind of panned out in, in that way. I don't know a, a lot about one thing, but I know a little bit about everything and I, have a, I can have a conversation about stuff and I'm interested and I love meeting new people. So that's kind of what has gotten me to where I am now. Awesome. If anyone I could have I followed that story. No, no, because <laughs> I mean, because again, like, you know, we first met probably, I mean, you, you knew Berkowitz way before, obviously, but we first met right at where you left off right there, like 2014. So all that stuff yep. happened. And then, you know, we were introduced to each other. Actually, I have a super random question that it just popped into my head, but I've always wondered this. Who, who came up with the idea for the pizza box boot box for full tilt? Because that was genius. Nathan can... I think it was Nathan Knup, our uh, graphic designer at the time, who was there forever. He he actually moved out from Burlington to work for K2. And I feel like he's still doing some graphics with Tim Clayton, our, our um, the original line designer. And, uh, you yeah, know, they're made from Italy. And, yeah, like, we no, had, no, it was, we it had was these awesome. 
we had these god awful boxes that for like years and years, and I just kept looking at them like, can we change this thing? And every year we'd always miss the cutoff of when we could change yeah. them. And finally, I'm like, we are changing these boxes. And originally there was going to be like a beer box for the um, FTE shell, and then the pizza box for the FTO and FTS shell. But then it all kind of went to the pizza box, and then that thing became super iconic and was just like a great, like, like tongue in cheek, but also like just really easy to see. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Italian boots. There they are. Hot and yeah. fresh. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw them, I was like, that's, that's legit genius. Yeah. That's, that's a genius box. Yep. So cool. And it's all comes from like having a small crew and being able to like make quick decisions and, and kind of trust your gut. And then there it was, and you're like, wow, good, good job. I hope I, they still keep, I hope they redo the pizza boxes. Oh, they're awesome. Oh, shit. I, never mind. Full tilt doesn't exist anymore. I think, Damn, no, I don't. I don't. I'll just give you the benefit shit. of the doubt. But and I, th I think we did it. We did a post with one like when they first came out. I think Giorgio did it. We like took the the, the pizza box and then the boot, and we went outside of like Regina, and, nice. I, and like we like we took a photo of it. We was probably like an old Instagram post, but yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty sweet. That's sick. Packaging packaging and POP creates such good content on the internet. I mean, and that's what you really want to focus on is getting your fan base to take pictures of stuff like unboxing videos, and, and right. we'd always yeah. share that stuff because it's just so cool and it's like. Yeah, it definitely has this whole vibe. I, I do enjoy a good packaging thing. We're trying to get as least amount of packaging as possible these days. Right. Like literally burlap saps, sacks for our skis and stuff. But um, it's, uh, yeah, if you have smart packaging, it's it's it it gets more people excited about it instead of yeah. just the product. And it's consistent throughout yeah. the entire time. So, yeah. So, uh, good old full tilt. You know, other than obviously being streamlined and able to to pivot it sounds like pretty easily right now because of you know the size that that season is and you know you're you're three years in you've got a tight little crew you know what are what are the major i'm, I'm not going to say you know what are the major differences that you feel and see on the day-to-day -day versus being at you know a company like k2 you know you're lining full tilt days into your season days you know how, how is that different well the thing was at those at um line and k2 at line and full tilt and k2 there was um the infrastructure was built we had an internet services department we had an email marketing manager that oversaw everything we had you know large finance i mean it was you know it's a 50 plus year company that has literally has been built upon the entire time so and not only am i um you know crafting the marketing stories or, or taking what eric is creating and trying to make sense of it and and putting it out there, we're also building the infrastructure too. So like I've, in the last two years, I mean, one, I built the website, Shopify is an amazing um, platform, my God. And um, I've learned a lot about coding and a lot about Googling uh, how to code things. And so, so there's that, but then also just like, yeah, D to C marketing of, you know, our email service or um, just uh, product management of like when things are coming in and when they're not, or, or like, how to, you know, logistics have been just crazy these days. So it's just a, it's a smaller crew. So it's just a lot of different, um, I'm definitely not, um, hyper-focused on one thing or another, which, you know, to a fault, because nothing is really optimized to what it should be, but building, building that base is, has been the, um, the, the first thing I want to do. I want to make sure all of our, like, you know, product feeds and Google searches and all, all the things that you guys probably deal with on a daily basis of, of like, the internet. And, um, so that's been a lot of learning for me for sure. And then, you know, all the, you know, the things I did as brand director at line, it was more focused on marketing and brand stuff. I and mean, we, we've never had a, you know, like for stores, there was a sales manager. So right. there was like, 
that those negotiations were there. I was like Johnny Goodtimes. I was like, what do these guys order? Is this Kohl's or whatever? So, uh, and so I was a bit more, yeah. And, and I didn't feel, you know, the sales and stuff. And so with, with, um, with us, we're, we're monitoring what's going on at Evo. We, we, you know, I feel every sale and not sale on the website and, you know, with D2C and, and it's really a lot more of like, how, how do we get the stuff in front of the right people? at this certain level. I mean, going to those ski tests, this is the first time we went to ski test this year. I went to ski and free skier back to back and I got COVID like literally like two weeks before. So I was like totally spun out. And then I'm like on the plane going there. I'm like, I'm literally showing up. I'm old. I, the, no one probably knows who I am and they don't know what my ski company is. And it was like super, you know, anxiety Josh there. And I'm just like, oh my God, I definitely digressed in my in my life. No, <laughs> but then dude, no, showing no, up, no. Dude, you're Josh Malchek, yeah. dude. We know how to pronounce your name. I saw I saw Hatrip and Duraco there, and I felt better. I'm like, great, not the <laughs> oldest person here. <laughs> well, dude, actually, real real quick, as you just mentioned it, what's it like going? I mean, dealing with consumers versus dealing with retailers. I mean, quite quite. It's different. awesome. It was. It, it's literally back to what I used to do as like marketing manager and coordinator. Is like was is replying to people and talking to people like there and seeing what their feedback is, because you know, at the final level, I was. I mean, I wasn't like in some office and like being. You know, at, at no point was this like a super duper corporate job. But like, I was really not connected consumers. It was more about our consumers at Line because it was a manufacturer was uh, shops and right. and um in that network. Whereas, because we didn't sell direct or not that much, and um, and so it's actually been super awesome. It's so cool to like meet someone that's like really stoked on something and like they want to help. Like literally, some guy bought a pair of skis last year, and he's like, "Hey, I was just like doing an audit on your website, and your SEO is all fucked up. Like, <laughs> let me help you here or whatever." And so I'm just like, "Sick! This is like a straight up community." So it's been it's been very gratifying to to uh, to actually talk to to consumers and get out there and. I probably, I haven't skied more than I ever have before, but I go skiing for fun a lot more, which is cool because there's way less events and things like that. I do totally enjoy those magazine tests and stuff, but um, it was, it's, it's a lot less of, of that and just being a consumer out there or being one of the other people just having a good time on the hill and actually skiing in Washington, which has been so fun. Oh, Alpen was really good this year and I got a lot of powder skiing in, that's for sure. Yeah, I saw your social, dude. You looked like you were, you were out there, dude. <laughs> Like you're skiing all the time dude have you skied that that going back to dubai have you skied that dubai dome a bunch or was that your first time first time it was so funny it was just like it's in a giant mall you know you're walking by prada and gucci and stuff like that and you go there and it was really cool to see people just trying skiing and you go there and they give you literally your outfit mm -hmm. and these like tiny little socks and a pair of boots it's like three sizes too big they had three size boots there yeah i'm like i'm a 301 they're like we have a 318 i'm like okay i guess i'm doing the 318 yeah. and these like rosy Ozzy skis. Austin had such a better board. Like the boards, rental boards are like soft and buttery. Rental skis are just like stiff and shitty. I was just yeah, like, ah, yeah. oh, come on. There's not even twin tips. So, I, I, but it was fun. I mean, it's I've big. been there. I've been there as well, and I had the similar experience. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I was there for. Um, it was like a. It was a, a work thing for, for my wife. So I just kind of tagged along, which was which was great. But, so yeah. So we went into the into the mall. I'm like, well, I'm here. I gotta I gotta ski the dome. You know, I can't yeah. skip it. So same. I got of, the beanie. Uh, yeah, yeah. So did I. I, I have. The, I, yeah, I do. <laughs> Ski Dubai. It's so sick. Um, but yeah, similar experience. I, and you know, you have to. You're wearing. You have to rent pants and a jacket because you're walking through the desert. You didn't bring pants and a jacket. It's a. It's pretty pretty funny. And then the guy there, I was the only one in like the rental area, and he just like came out, and I said the same thing. I'm like, do you have any like three oh fives or twenty six fives? And he was like, 
I don't know. I don't know what that means, you know. And I'm like, and I was like, hey, small, man, medium, I large. Can I, can I? I'm like, I actually work in the ski business. Do you mind if I just go back there <laughs> and just like pick out my stuff? And he was like, I, sure. <laughs> so he just let me go in the back room. I, I go, you can charge me whatever. Like when we come out, and I, I like grabbed whatever I could find that would like work the best. And uh, yeah, it was a trip, man. It, it was actually it was pretty fun. They had that little on the turn on the chairlift. They have like that little like Bavarian like coffee shop you can like kind of sit outside oh yeah it's mid station really, mid station coffee shop it's pretty funny dubai is we got yelled at a bunch in there wrong what's that what'd you say <laughs> it, it yeah like it turns and like we got kind of, we got kind of yelled at a few times like sean white was there like a few months or like a month earlier and they had like rails and stuff but they're blocked off and we're like can we turn these rails on and they're like no the health department needs to inspect them or something like that so <laughs> but we were jumping on the sides and that that surface lift on the left is like pretty gnarly it's the pretty turn gnarly. yeah it, it goes up and uh and then the chairlift is just really slow it's like a ride and but yeah it's i mean it it exposes a very different um culture to skiing which is totally cool and uh i and there was like a crew there like the kid with the tom walsh skis and yeah. stuff they were like they're ripping so you, did you see the penguins and there was race uh we didn't go into the penguins we didn't buy the penguins so, thing so but yeah when I, when I was there they just had them walk they're just walking around they're just like out <laughs> I'm like, you're just skiing to the bottom. And then they're just like all these penguins walking around. You're like, what is that? Where are we? What is going on? I, I saw a clip from there a few weeks ago and there was like a Lamborghini Urus doing like donuts in the bottom <laughs> and stuff. I'm just like this place. Yeah. Dubai's a trip, man. It's a, you know, we did all the tourist things and went up the Burj and, mm -hmm. and, you know, we were there, like, even the people there are like, you came at the wrong time. It's like 110 degrees, but like, it was the time we went and we, me and Austin actually stayed two days and we got our, uh, open water certification for scuba. That's so sick. I am now scuba certified and I don't know when I'm going to use that skill, but it, it's much cheaper there. And it's also, you're in the, um, the Persian Gulf. So yeah, it's like much did, warmer did in order to do it in Seattle. It's like cold. Did you jump in the so. Persian Gulf? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was. How, uh, how, how crazy? How how salty is that? Isn't it? Wasn't it very salty? Yeah. And I think it's because. Well, I don't know if it's why, but like, how they get all their water is desalinization. So like, they pull water out of the Gulf and then they desalinate. But um, and I'm like, does that like contribute to it being more salty? But like, yeah, we were using like basically like way more weights and yeah, stuff like that to be like to sink. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> legit just. And I'm not a good swimmer, and you literally go in the Persian Gulf, and you're just like. You're just float floating. It's it's kind of wild. Yeah, and it was not refreshing whatsoever. I mean, it was no. literally 110 degrees out, yeah. and it was just like I'm like I'm sitting 30 feet underwater. I'm like it's like 85 degrees down here. This is insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, crazy. But yeah, good people, much different culture, and you know, it's those are the cool, gratifying things of this weird job that I have that gets me to these places. So it's it's sweet. They make good boards too. SWS yeah. is awesome. It's 100. percent um, solar powered, uh, use bio-based resins and epoxies. And it's, uh, you know, with Jones leading the charge there of, of doing as much environmentally uh, friendly things that there is. And it is a very centralized location so they can get stuff to a lot of different places. There's a cool CNN piece about SWS boards in the, um, on the internet somewhere. I'm putting the show notes, yeah. you know, love so, show notes. Throw it in the notes. So what, uh, what are you excited about for, for next year, for, for 23, 24 coming from season? Uh, actually having product in the selling season, I mean, the first two years, I mean, we launched this brand in a pandemic. Um, so like getting prototypes and then basically like living on Mount Hood to get assets in summer 2020 was was gnarly. And so our, our delivery was a bit delayed, which is not as delayed as we thought. But um, that was year one. And then year two, 
you know, the, the world of logistics is is tough. So to get on this timeline of, of getting our stuff into in into market like at, at the right time was is way more difficult. All the all the easy things that no one really remembers or thinks about is um, uh, are really hard at right. first. So so actually having product and um, we're launching a new ski this year, the pass, which is a very like um, I like to say it's, it's the most like Pollard-esque ski that we have. It's a 117 underfoot twin tip uh, powder ski, but it's got a lightweight construction and carbon in it. So that's that um, marries with the past split board that we have. So it's like a touring slash like um, free ridey ski. So that's cool. The can has been doing really well. Just just having our our equal five and five of, of product models. And then um, Evo is really excited too, because this, this was a definitely a shotgun brand of like getting it out there like, I quit. And then literally like six months later, we had a new, new company. It was very like shocking to a lot of people. I mean, anyone could have called me. A lot of people thought I got fired. And, um, but I was like, anybody could have called me and told me or asked me what, (laughs) yeah. I was like, Josh definitely got fired. Yeah. I like left on like the greatest product line we'd ever produced. And like line was like crushing. I'm like, okay, I'm out. And they're like, what, why? And I'm like, I can't really tell you. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, just the, the, the building upon yearly stuff, actually seeing like year over year comps and like being like, okay, we did this last year. Let's like set a goal for this. And just kind of like falling into like normal business practices as opposed to just crazy startup time, which is cool. And then working with our partners and getting getting tighter with our partners, our development partners, Evo as as a partner, they're they're excited. They have, you know, they're growing like crazy. And um and offering them a totally different sales proposition of a product where they've been used to, you know, limited from gra- graphics and new stuff every year. It takes a little while to, to get everybody on the same page of, of what we're all about. So it's just, um, it's, it's, it's exciting that like people are getting it a lot more. It's really hard to, you got it in marketing. I mean, you explain the same thing a million times and, and hopefully someone understands it after a while. So that's, that's kind of what I'm excited about of is, is having, product available in the time when people are looking for it instead of like a pre-order and waiting like two months for it. And, um, and then also just being able to tell more stories of people like this year, we're actually going to have a, a significant amount of like, um, of, uh, for lack of a better word, like editorial pieces about, um, certain people that we've, we've been skiing with and, and stuff like that, not just pros and things like that. I mean, Eric skied a lot with like, a, a bunch of different people and captured them. So um, we'll have a lot more of that coming out as opposed to like first year was just photos and, you know, going into our archives and telling the story there. And then second year was product videos that like were just crazy and like having to just, you know, explain what the product is. And third year this year is actually starting to like turn the mirror onto like the community and putting out what we want to, um, to showcase. And uh, so it's a lot but it, yeah. it should be well, fun. I mean, having stuff to sell is, is feels probably pretty good. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> Number, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what things I'm excited about things we can sell. Right. Right. Step and, one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's gotta be a little bit easier knowing, I mean, you spent so long just like I did, you know, not necessarily talking directly to the end consumer, but mm-hmm. talking to, to the trade and talking to dealers and trying to get a brand in a retail location that they can then, you know, in turn sell to consumers. But you know, now, you know, your retail partner is Evo. Correct me if I'm wrong. They, I assume yep. they're, they're more than just a retail partner. They have a state part owner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. they're, they're, they're a part owner. So that, you know, that relationship for you, I guess, you know, on one side is probably a relief because you're not out there trying to, you know, 
convinced this entire you know retail base globally to carry your skis but you know what what does that mean um you know for you on that side of of, of the trade just working with this one retailer is that is that more stressful <laughs> that you've got to keep you got to keep that machine going for these guys or no it's it's more it's a it's working with them and having access to the merchandiser guys and 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 everything in a in a partnership base, as opposed to like a, a buyer seller base, uh, you know, they're, they're friends with all, all the other yeah, brands, right. you know, they work really well with everybody, but having that, that pure connection with them and working together to, to towards a common goal, which is totally awesome. And so it's, yeah, it's, we, the business is structured that way where we can all kind of focus on our strengths as opposed to like, if you are a pure startup where you're getting money from a bank, you need, you know, you know, you need to be solvent and, uh, and all that stuff, and you're you're focusing on one sales channel, or or trying going to trade shows, spending all your money, you know, sitting in the back in a ten by ten booth, and like right. hopefully someone sees it. Um, yeah, we we were able to kind of put the things that we're all good at in our in their hands, in in our in the respective hands, and go forward like that. So it's a uh, you know it's 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 good that way because it's it's not like stressing anybody out on things that they're not used to, right. you know, yeah. or it's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not the one to like raise funds or find, you know, investors or things like that. I'm, I'm a branding and marketing professional. So that's, that's, I can focus on that a lot more. Granted, I do do a lot of other stuff and coding a website or like, you know, implementing new customer service uh, services and things like that. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's but, nice. But that it's in it's that, good to that focus realm. on what you're, what you're good at, which is great. Yeah. Exactly. And then that that's the whole partnership. We're all just like this triple high five of being like, you guys are product, you guys are this, you guys have money, you guys have this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's- are you guys going to go back? You said, you know, that this, this year was the first year at the test, obviously. Are you guys planning on going back to, to, to free ski and ski? Yeah, it was a good trial this year. And it was cool at Ski Magazine where they're like, oh, we usually like overlook all these small brands or whatever. And I'd kind of push back. I'm like, dude, we have one of the most seasoned uh hard goods engineers in the world. These, these are shaped by Eric Pollard. They're made at the Amherst sports factory. Of course they're good. Like going full, like Trump marketing there. Yeah. And they're like, Oh yeah, you are totally right. Like these are, yeah, we, <laughs> we have this leg up. And, um, and so our stuff did pretty well. I think we won a few things in ski magazine and uh, new schoolers had their, had our skis too. And everyone's jazzing the skis and that, I mean, that could, that's a big meatball to put out there yeah. is new, new shapes and stuff. And if they didn't work, Oh boy, that would be not good. So um, the boards are doing great. The boards are in what's great. I know we're talking skis here and stuff, but like we sell 50, 50 skis and boards. My biggest fear was this is a brand from Eric Pollard that makes snowboards for some reason, but Austin Smith is super influential in the snowboard world. He's been e- extremely influential in our brand and building the brand and our ethos. And, um, and the boards are great too. So it's, it's cool to like have both of those things going at the same time and not being hyper-focused on just skis. Because snowbirds are cool too. Yeah, we've had, snowbirds too. Cool. we've seen uh, we've seen a what triple digit increase in the last few years in, in snowboard department here. So it's yeah, it's exciting. Super. Yeah, exciting. and it's like unfortunately snow. I mean, snowboarding's in that stage where it's it's maturing, and a lot of the core stores have kind of gone away, and um, there's there's not as much there. There's still a lot of ski independent ski shops, and there's definitely independent snowboard shops. But yeah, see, and the the excitement isn't going away for snowboarding. It's awesome. I love snowboarding powder. It's like my favorite thing to do. But, um, so it's, it's cool to, um, speak to that, that realm of people and then like see those connections of, of, 
oh, my kid snowboards and I ski or I snowboard and my kid skis, or maybe I should try snowboarding or maybe I should try skiing or something like that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all one big, there, there's a lot of um, warm fuzzies that go on with our brand too. When I, I'm meeting more of these people out there. And making both things is, is obviously awesome. And again, you were part of a large company that made both things, but the, everything felt so separate. So now that it feels like it's together, it must kind of be pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah. No one knew that line and ride snowboards like shared a wall. No. <laughs> like, I, 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 I didn't know that until I went there and until I went there yeah. and like you, you and you and big Jim were like, you, you basically had the same desk and I was like, Oh, okay. This is, <laughs> this is a lot smaller than I anticipated. Yeah. <laughs> It's like media. It's just like, you know, like down in California, like the powder guys were with the snowboarder guys and everything. And at the end of the day, it's like we're all just dorks sliding down the hill trying to have a good time. So it's like if you can't agree on what equipment you use, what can we agree on is the thing. So it's uh, yeah, it's nice to see that world and to service the world of skiing and snowboarding and the new people that are out there. Absolutely. I'm sure you guys see so much of your location. My gosh. Oh, yeah, we see we see both. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's pretty awesome. And have it all under one roof and it feels like it, you don't necessarily feel like you're, you know, a snowboarder or a skier as the store kind of flows. It, obviously they're in separate, somewhat separate ish areas because you have to display the product, but it doesn't necessarily feel like you're just shopping for snowboards, just shopping for skis. It just kind of flows, which, which makes it. All yeah. They're out there. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm, I got to get back and visit you guys again because I, selfishly I, I did this podcast as matt asked me two days ago just to have a conversation with you guys yeah dude. <laughs> well, if, if you make it back to the east coast this this fall or or winter or whatever just let us know we'll just we'll do we'll do a, a, an episode two in studio be, in studio is, oh, is way more fun. Yeah. it's way more fun love in studio yeah dude gosh so if you if you get here th- this winter just text berkowitz and, and we'll we'll set it up heck yeah love the east coast and well, i gotta go I, back and i'm, see I'm glad i'm i'm glad that we can wrap this up knowing that josh didn't get fired from k2 and that he actually left on his own accord. <laughs> I, dude, I, I, yeah. I, I gotta say, still man, friends. I, I had your, I had your back, but Eric for years has been telling people that you got fired from K two, and I was like, no, dude, no, he didn't. He's like, yeah, he got canned. What do you think he did? What do you erroneous, think he did? erroneous. <laughs> no, I love telling people that, and I also quit on my own volition in January twenty twenty. I'm just like, the world's my oyster. This is great. What is going on in Wuhan again? Like, yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter. Timing, right? <laughs> Yeah. You know, everything's born in the dark. That's what they say. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of cool, um, a lot of cool brands come out of, uh, very challenging times. And, and luckily, you know, in, in our world, it's, it's, it's turned the focus to people wanting to get the hell outside. So it's, it's grown. I think the growth we've seen in this industry is, uh, I wouldn't say like totally here to stay, but like, it's, it's definitely elevated the amount of people that are going skiing and stuff, as you can see on like the weekends and anywhere yeah it's so chaos. yeah as well, as as crazy as it was for you to to start and launch a brand during a pandemic uh, uh, like honestly it was really a good time because like you said the, the growth within the sport and the amount of new skiers out there skiers and snowboarders you know uh, seems like a crazy time to launch a brand but it was actually it, it worked out in hindsight yeah in hindsight it was a good time to do yeah. Yeah, and giving some people hope and and seeing things still happening and not just everything regressing and stuff. It was it was cool. And so it was something for people to be excited about. I mean, I would love to be more in person with a lot of people during those two years. But, um, yeah. you know, me and Eric sat in a little office in uh, Parkdale and shared germs the entire time. It was just teamwork. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love sharing germs. <laughs> Wait. Sorry, I got to go. My right, sister's dude. telling we'll, me. We'll, we let, we'll let you go. Thanks, All brother. Right. Later, bro. All right, see ya. All right, bye. Bye, bye everybody. Peace.